So today I've got Ashley Warren with me, and Ashley was the project photographer for The Way Watauga Works, an exhibition that we had at Blowing Rock Art and History Museum in 2018. So Ashley, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's nice to see you. It's nice to be back in the museum and at Brahm and kind of reminiscing about the show. It was a really fun project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just that a great opportunity that the museum had thanks to uh, the Smithsonian Institute's Museum on Main Street program and North Carolina Humanities Council. And so with that exhibit, it was a traveling exhibit that went to museums all around the country, the way we work. And it looked at labor in America throughout history. And they gave grant funds to every institution that hosted the exhibit. And Brahm decided to use our grant funding to tell the story of our community. And so we did an exhibit called The Way Watauga Works. Um, and then on that project, you were the project photographer. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got involved to be the project photographer? So at the time, I was actually working at Brahm. And when we when the exhibit came through, you and I teamed up together to um, to interview these folks. And I mean, I feel like, you know, I y'all chose me, or you chose me to be the project photographer, partially because I was here and I have a background in photography, um, but also because I, I am part of the community, you know, and um, I feel like it was nice to have an insight into Watauga as well as into Brom. And then with that, I mean, I am part of the community, but I, you know, I've only been here since 2015, so it was kind of fun to, like, to come in with fresh eyes, you know, in a way. Um, some of the folks that we interviewed, I had, I, I knew. Some of them I had heard of, um, and then some of them I had never met before, you know. And so it was really, it was just kind of cool to to be a part of the exhibit, to be asked to be the photographer. So I don't know if there's any more specifics as to why I was, you know, the, the, the project photographer other than, um, you know, it was just kind of a coincidental, synchronistic, like everything kind of worked out, you know, worked for, for us to be a team. Well, you were the marketing director at the museum at the time, but you have an extensive background with photography and you're, you're currently working as a photographer, right? Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I started, I feel like I've always been a photographer. So, you know, growing up, I have like boxes of photographs from trips and, you know, hangs and just growing, you know, just friends, things like that. Um, I used to drive around with like a disposable camera in my car because you just never know what you're going to, what you're going to see. Um, and this was like, you know, back in the early two thousands when before the digital age. Um, but in 20, okay, guess 2009, I started to go to school at UNC Chapel Hill and during my time there, I was in the dark room a lot. Like I thought I was going to go be a painter or a jar, or, you know, like a, some sort of um, traditional media artist. And I wound up really falling in love with film photography. So from there, I, you know, was taking photos of like, you know, brick walls with leaves coming out of it and just like really kind of heady fine art stuff. Um, and then after I left, I really just, I didn't see necessarily a path you know, to photography, at least as a career, until I was asked to photograph some dancers and just, you know, the experience of photographing hum like people, humans, you know, performing especially, it was just so, like, invigorating that I started to kind of dip my toe into the world of portraiture 
And so that's kind of evolved to where now I've done, I mean, I've done all sorts of photography, you know, like weddings and portraits, families, branding, real estate, boudoir. I mean, hey, can you go photograph this billboard for us? I mean, just the most random thing. So, you know, I feel like um, my skills of, as a photographer have really evolved to where I have to be very adaptable and jump into every situation. So while it didn't start that way, it started off as art. I feel like there's been a lot of growth and adaptability. So, um, so yeah, so while I was the marketing director here, I mean, photography has always been my passion and what I've wanted to pursue. So, um, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of, it was fun to be able to, um, dip my toe in, or bring those skills onto a project where I was working in a different capacity. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, even though you came to photographing the human subject later, it seems, having that uh, fine arts foundation and the understanding of the medium and then um, mastery of the camera, I feel like really shines through in your work. Uh, now, it's interesting you said, um, you talked about the community aspect. Uh, so Appalachia has a history of being represented by those from outside of the community, outside of the region. And sometimes that representation is not always in a positive light. Now, when you approach these subjects, some of them you knew their stories because you might have been there for the interview. Others, you might have been meeting them for the first time when you made their photograph. So could you talk a little bit about how you go about photographing someone and how you... Uh, you know, there are 31 people that were photographed for the exhibit, and some of them you might have had a relationship with before, but if some of these people you're meeting for maybe five minutes before you photograph them. So how do you get this openness or, I mean, there's this intimacy with these images in the exhibit. I think part of that might have been due to the size of the prints that we chose, being very life-size-like. But just the connection with the eyes and the people seem like they're opening up to you. Um, so how do you how do you do that? How do you go about approach? How do you go about photographing someone? And is it different if it's someone you're meeting for the first time or someone you've known for a long time? Yeah. So I mean, the style of photography for this exhibit was definitely I, I feel like rooted more in my fine arts background then in my production photography, you know, or I mean commercial photography, whatever you like to call it, you know, boutique photography where it's just really supposed to be pretty, right? Like I feel like especially like in this world of like Instagram and, you know, there's just this competition for like pretty. And that was really not my intention. My intention was more like honesty and a more photojournalistic style, which I feel like does kind of come through with the images. And so I wanted it, it didn't it wasn't necessarily about being pretty, it was about being accurate. And then also, you know, it was interesting that you were just, you dipped your toe in the water of, um, you know, representation and the voyeuristic, like, viewing someone as an outsider. Like, there's, like, a level of, like, not othering, but just, you know, there's a separation. Like, if you're not part of the community, like, you have to be aware of that integrity of how you represent someone. And for me, you know, it's like I've come from a working class people, like a lower middle class family. And I've always sort of glorified, you know, folks just who are real, you know, and who are just a part of the community. Like, it doesn't really matter what your status is, you know, it's just like, we're all people. And I feel like that kind of, I feel like that was important for me to just 
kind of get to know people and, and photograph people in a very real way. You know, it wasn't necessarily trying to cast them in a different light other than who they are. Like I wanted it to be honest. So, um, so as far as, you know, just meeting people for the first time, um, and being able to photograph them, I feel like that definitely is just a skill as a photographer that you have to develop. Um, and that's one thing that I think, you know, like when I was in school, like I said, I was photographing things and situations or, you know, abstracts or landscapes and, you know, it's, and I, I was much shyer. I was younger, you know, but it was just, I feel like the ability to photograph people is a skill and requires both confidence and then also calmness and ease. Like you have to be able to put people at ease while maintaining that personable aspect. So talking from behind the camera is important. Direction from behind the camera is important, you know, but ultimately just letting them be who they're going to be, you know, and um, I feel like, you know, even if it's, I meet them, you know, five or five minutes beforehand, you know, it's like asking them how they want to be photographed, right? You know, and the one that kind of comes to mind is, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember her name. Uh, the, the woman who works at App. Um, Navi- uh, was it Navila Castro? Yes. And, you know, it was like she was really nervous. We never met before, you know, and, you know, just kind of like I could tell that she didn't really necessarily want to have her photograph taken. And so, like, we did one photograph in her office that was, like, really how she would be when she was working. Like, she was, like, she literally sat in her chair and then turned around and we took her photo. In, in a place with terrible lighting, you know what I mean? It's like it wasn't about being pretty. But then I did walk her outside and I took some pretty photos. And I feel like that, you know, just kind of like balancing that, like, and we gave them the photos afterward, you know, where it's like, um, you know, just making sure that people feel like they are being seen in the way that they want to be seen, you know? And like, ultimately we chose the image where she was, where she'd be working. But I don't know, I just, I feel like you have to kind of, make sure that you are, like, you remember who you're serving. Like, it was for the, pro- it's for the project. However, it's like, if you're taking an image of someone, like, that's really important that you build that trust where it's like, well, I want you to really like this photo. I want you to feel okay with how you're being represented, you know? So, I mean, I feel like we did that with Keith. Keith was the same way. Like, he wanted some nice photos. And we gave him the photos afterward, you know? Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like it was just, it's just, uh, it's, being a photographer is as much about art as it is about being personable and like social skills. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, um, some of, we're, we're not going to look at all of the interviews as part of the, the podcast, but everyone's able to see all the images and um, read or listen to all the interviews on the way with Tiger works website. But I've selected a few um, that I'd like us to talk about. And I think some of these are just both some of my favorite stories from the exhibit and then also some of my favorite images. Um, Now, Randy Henson. So Randy uh, retired from working for the North Carolina school system and he was a school bus inspector for... I believe he had the western third of North Carolina. Um, really a character, a very funny guy. And if you listen to his interview, that that really comes through. Um, but his photograph is just so charismatic. Um, so could you talk a little bit about uh, what it was like going to Randy's 
house and uh, photographing him. Yeah, I mean, so Randy is a very playful person, you know, and I feel like with his photograph, it was like he, I mean, I, you know, like I said, I asked everybody kind of how they wanted to be photographed. And, you know, and he's like, and a lot of people are like, whatever you want, you know. But I feel like, if I remember correctly, that Randy, you know, he wanted to be, obviously wanted the school bus in the background. But um, I feel like, you know, his playful personality went into making that photograph, you know. And for me, it was like, it's, I feel like that vintage feel kind of goes into who he is. Like, he's a musician and, like, plays rock music and, you know, it's like... I don't know, I just, I, I, I feel like all those factors play together, like his playfulness, like my desire for like a very like just framed, like dead on shot, you know, like, I, yeah, I feel like um, it was just, it, it just kind of like the playfulness, like sometimes if you just let like the moment unfold and kind of get into like um, joy of it, you know, so it wasn't super manufactured, it was like, well, just come stand right here, you know. But um, I feel like his personality just went into that photo so much, you know, and so like allowing him to like to do whatever he's going to do, you know, and just kind of be there to watch it unfold was kind of how that how that played out. But and it's funny, like I've I mean, I know that you're probably going to ask me this later, but just kind of how you've like you get to know people later, you know, it's like there's actually quite a few people on this list that we interviewed and photographed that I've gotten to know them so much better. Well, I don't know something like Randy super well, but it's like I've met him in other capacities since then, you know, and um, yeah, it's just it's just really cool. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so that that part about community again, and how in that intimacy that you build and that trust about making a photograph with someone is that if you really in, begin a relationship with them and how you choose to either cultivate that after. Um, or not is interesting. And being in a small community like we are here in the high country, you do see the same people over and over again. Or you might see them at the grocery store or or, um, out at the river or something like that. Um, So another person that I'd like to talk about is uh, Glenn Bolick. So Glenn is actually the subject of our first episode that we're going to do with the series. And he's a master potter and storyteller and musician and a hollering champion and a North Carolina Folklife Heritage Award winner. Um, And Glenn is one of those people who really opened up his home to us. And you were able to be there for the interview. And um, we actually met him at the same time. That I had spoken with him on the phone prior to the interview, but um, we showed up together and uh, kind of built that rapport. And um, so, yeah, could you talk a little bit about his photograph? Because I think his is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, in the series. Yeah, so Glenn is a character, but I didn't really know much about him when, you know, except for that. He was a pot, he's a potter. I've heard of like Bullock, like that Bullock holler. I'm not sure that's what it's called, but you know, like I've kind of heard a little bit about that. And so, but I didn't know much about his like place within the greater history of Appalachian culture, you know, and like just how deep that went. So, for me, like, so I, I'm a potter, like, when I have the opportunity to be. 
but um, I, I, I like feel like I was a little bit of a fangirl, you know, where I'm like, ooh, I want to like talk, can't wait to talk to this potter and like learn like, you know, how to, how to be a production potter and like what that life is like. And, you know, it's like, he's using some techniques that I didn't even know about, like the groundhog kiln and, you know, just being in his workshop was just like so cool. It was like a, like a playground, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, can't wait. And then watching him throw a pot like so fast and just, I feel like for me as an artist, it just I just really connected to him and like what he was saying. And then it's like, you know, they tell you to like, you know, like you don't maybe it's like ten thousand hours before you can master something, you know. And it's like the the idea of just doing it over and over and over and over and over and really developing a skill and that in itself is an art, you know. It's like then that's like a way to like hone your art. And so I just I felt like seeing him just like throw a pot in three minutes. You know, and just as an artist, like relating to that, where it's like you just got to do it. Like it doesn't need to be perfect, um, and the imperfections of each piece is what makes it beautiful. Anyway, so I'm gonna go off and like <laughs> that's that little pottery tangent. But that was, you know, for me, like a really cool. That was really cool. But then, you know, I feel like after we kind of got the photos, we did the photo first, and then we like kind of, you know, I learned a little bit about like you know, that he has these events for that people play music, like there's a music component to his, like a place within culture, and then just like the different stories that he's got. I mean, you know, and, and I think that as a photographer, like the cool thing was, you know, it's like I'm getting candids, but then sometimes people, you know, sometimes people don't need to be posed. You just have to give them a prompt to look at you, right? Like if you're trying to get them looking at the, the camera, you just say, Oh, just look, turn, turn, turn around, you know, and look right, just, okay, look right here. And it's like, just kind of capturing, it's almost like a candid moment where their eyes are on the camera instead of not on the camera. And that was very much Glenn's photo where it was like, you know, he was doing something and it was like a ton of candid images and I just asked him to turn around and it was a very like, in, you know, in the moment image. So I felt like that is, that would definitely made it more powerful, you know, versus like I'm standing here and being posed for a portrait. So and I think that that's that photojournalistic style, you know, like, yeah. So Glenn, I mean, I remember we were sitting in like a non-heated space in like January or something like that. It was cold, but it was like glued to his story because, you know, every place has these, these people that are like, they're just bastions of history. And he is definitely one of those people. And so like to be able to like, be in the room with him when he's telling these stories it's like this is like a, a glimpse of Appalachia that is no longer or well or is is phasing out like things are changing right and so I feel like you know he's got memories that no one else will have like have you know or I just feel like he's he's just such a um a wealth of history for the area. So that was really cool, especially as an outsider. You know, like, I mean, and I think that I'll probably, no matter how long I live here, I'll always be an outsider. But just to be able to, like, see that, because, you know, like, where I'm from, there there are these people that are the same way. And so I just, I can definitely recognize the importance of that and, like, the, like, weight of just how important, you know, like, it is to, um, to capture those stories and images, you know? So. Oh, yeah. And that was just such an incredible experience. <clears throat> Just because he's like, oh, well, do you want me to throw a pot for you? And he just made this perfect vase. And it was, it really just sprang from his hands, it seemed like. And um, that, you know, that image is so beautiful. And 
and his life experience is so rich and varied. I mean, we spoke with him for almost three hours and was it really? Yeah. From the time that we got there and it was, it it got dark. It was dark by the time we left. It was about dusk. And the funny thing was, is we were in that cabin and uh, there was a wood stove and he said when we're leaving, Oh, well, if I known we would have talked that long, I would have built a fire because it got cold. Well, Glenn, you know you can talk. So, yeah, that, that was just the funniest thing for me. Uh, and it was, it was a really rich experience. Um, I have an interesting type of experience with a lot of these folks, um, just with that insider-outsider type thing, because I wasn't born here. I wasn't raised here. I came here in 2008 for school, which would make me an outsider by most folks' standards. But my father's side of the family is have, have roots that run to the 18th century in Watauga County. So, you know, it doesn't get more local than that. And people like Glenn Bolick know my family and knew my great-grandfather and other ancestors and relatives. So that immediately kind of opens doors for me and puts people at ease. And then they start reminiscing. And you want somebody to talk about their life and their life history. Well, an easy way to get them started is to remind them of an old friend. And then to know that I didn't know any of these stories, it kind of tickled him to be able to share them. Um, and so that, that is really nice. And Glenn is one of those people that since that interview, we've had his pottery exhibited in the museum. And then we're able to work with him professionally in his pottery as well because they make the mugs that we sell in Brahms gift shop. Right? So it's just a, another great way to tie in with the community. Um, and it, it's really nice that we have some of these kind of community elders that we profiled in the show to capture those life experiences. Uh, another person that comes to mind is Diane Deal. So Diane uh, is, has since retired since the interview, but she was the clerk of court for Watauga County when uh, we did the project. Now, before the interview, I had no clue what the clerk of court did. And then after her very powerful and moving interview, I have so much greater respect for the civil servants <laughs> in our community. But could you talk a little bit about meeting Diane and what it was like uh, photographing? Have you ever made a photograph inside a courthouse before? I don't think so. <laughs> the lighting isn't great, but that's all right. You know, it wasn't about, like I said, it's not about pretty photos. It's about you know, honesty and, and showing people in, in a situation that would be very much, and I say like in their natural habitat, like, you know, in a situation that would be very similar to how you would see them if they were working. Um, the, the, I thought the cutest thing about Diane was that she was at the time campaigning and she was going to, she wanted to use the images for her campaign, you know? And so, um, I feel like, you know, that was, her photo was much more of a staged photo, but that's kind of what she wanted, you know? And, it what there was still integrity there because it would be a situation in which you know you would see her, but um, yeah, you know, she's somebody that you know. It's like for me when I think like court, I think like a little bit of like a little stiff, a little like you know, like we have to be like conservative or we have to like that's a that's word, but like that's like you know you just have to be like a little bit more like. Uh, on your toes and just like put together but it was so laid back you know like just to kind of her and was it uh, Karen Karen 
you know, it's like, it was very much like back at the end of the day and they were so excited to get their photo made. You know, that was another one where, um, I feel like, you know, it's interesting when people have expectations of what it means to have your photo made. And I think that most people, like when they, they hear like, Oh, I'm going to have a portrait. It's going to be pretty. It's going to be something that's like beautiful, you know, versus, um, more, a little bit more raw, a little more honest. So, so I, I feel like I, with hers, I definitely like, she had the, like a place that she wanted it done, but I definitely like, was like, well, do you like this one? Do you like this one? <laughs> um, but yeah, I know that she is a significant part of the community as well. And I think that's interesting. It's like, you know, it's how, you know, there are community elders that are staples in, in this community, but like in such different ways, it's like, she is, you know, in, within the, the court system, like, you know, within the government, like that's her role. I know that she also has other ways that she's a, you know, part of the community versus like Glenn, where it's like, it's like art, you know, and, um, and culture versus, you know, like judicial. So that, you know, I think that it's like, there's just, we really did like touch on all the different aspects of community you know, and with younger folks and new, you know, um, older folks, with folks that are from here that are transplants, you know, things like that. So, and I think that, I think it was interesting just what you were saying about, you know, like how some of these people have stories of your own personal history that you don't know, and it's like, yeah, you wouldn't know, right, unless you you capture that. So I think that like that is the weight and like the importance of a project like this is that you're capturing a piece of history that will be gone, you know? It's like it only exists within the minds and the experiences of the people that remember it. And so I think it's really important to capture that, you know? And I was honored to be able to bring the visual to that, like, you know, to to, to offer um, imagery to go along with those stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, trying to go it off what you're saying about the court system is that it is a very cold and almost unfeeling environment, right? It's supposed to be, uh, supposed to be that way. But Diane was very warm and compassionate. And when you listen to her interview, that comes through. And, uh, and it's, she's also another cool case of an intergenerational connection with the project. Because another part of the way we worked exhibit was a Stories Yes grant. So that gave us funds to be able to uh, purchase equipment and educate middle schoolers in how to make documentary films. So we worked with the eighth grade class of Bethel Elementary School. Quick rundown real quick. Bethel was the smallest and most rural and poorest school in Western North Carolina, I mean in Watauga County. It is an hour from Blowing Rock, uh, even though we're in the same county. It's amazing how remote it is. And it's because of some of these windy mountain roads, just the terrain making it difficult to um, get there quickly. But there, you'd think eighth grade class, all the eighth grade students, it's a lot of people. No, there are only 16 students in that class. That's how small that school was. And one of those students was Diane Deal's granddaughter. So their group made a documentary about Diane Deal's uh, Christmas tree business and selling Christmas trees in Watauga County, which is a really big part of the high country economy. Um, our neighbor, Ash County, that is their main uh, commodity and economic driver for that county, Christmas tree sales. But so it's cool how we have these elder uh, statesmen in the community and these people that have such a rich story of how this place 
was in their youth and how it's developed over time. And then we also have stories of people who are transplants to the community. Um, and I thought that was really powerful too, to see these people that have become new fixtures in the landscape. And um, one example that I think about there are uh, young farmers, um, Kara Dodson and Jacob Kriegler. So they own Full Moon Farms, which is an organic produce farm in Triplet, which is actually the lowest point of elevation in Watauga County. It gets down to 1,500 feet. And they farm using draft horses. Um, so leading up to that point, had you photographed uh, a farm or farmers before? So, you know, I, I, I sort of have. I photographed a flower farm, a flower farmer in... I guess she's in Ash, Shady Grove Gardens. And so I had kind of been on a farm and, you know, I feel like I really loved that photo because they were about to get ready to work for the day, you know? And so it was very much like we're about to see them in action. And I think that like as a photographer is like one of the most comfortable situations where it's like, oh, I'm literally just going to walk in and just get photos of you doing what you're about to do, you know? Um, and or what you would, what you do in normal day life, right? Like that's a much easier subject sometimes than, you know, it's like, um, folks that maybe are in a desk job where it's like, we're just about to walk in and just do this thing. You know, it's like, I feel like they were in action, which was really cool. Um, yeah. So I have photographed, you know, like I said, the flower farm and, um, I mean, being outdoorsy and I mean, I felt like that was almost like one of the most comfortable photos, you know, just because, yeah, like there's just so much to photograph. Like, you know, as far as like, or rather, it's just an easy, easy to photograph um, subject. But yeah, it, like that's a great example of connections that uh, like I've grown since the photograph. Like that was my first time meeting them. But like I've since like, you know, hung out with them at their house. I've photographed them in other ways. I actually have plans to work with them and photograph them this summer, you know? And so it's like, it's just really cool to like have become friends with these folks that I met through the project, you know, and they're, I mean, they're just doing something really cool and really unique. And I think that I love that they're kind of getting they're young folks that are getting back to the roots. And so it's not, it's like, I know that there is a diaspora of young folks leaving Appalachia to pursue other fields that are maybe not rooted here. And I love how like they're kind of coming back to the land, you know, um, and they're kind of part of a movement and a wave of younger folks who are kind of getting back to roots and getting back to the earth and more of like a holistic and simple lifestyle, you know, versus I feel like this very digital tech um, era that we're in. So, yeah, I mean, they're, I feel like they're just, they're such wonderful people and I'm, really, I'm grateful to have met them on the project. Um, I mean, I also love that they wanted the horse to be in the photograph because I don't, I mean, like, I feel like the horses are part of their family, you know? And so that was a, like an important piece for Kara, especially like to have the photo, to have the, her horse in the image with them. Um, so yeah, it was, it was like early in the morning. It was like first thing in the morning, like right before they were, you know, going to get started for the day. And I feel like, you know, it was one of the, one of the easiest images because it was just so natural and it was a little off the cuff, you know? It was literally like, okay, just stand right here. And just like, we got it. And it was done, you know? I feel like sort of similar to that Glenn image. 
And that's interesting that I feel like some of those images were the most powerful, where it's like, it is off the cuff, you know? Like, you can't always, you know, you can't always capture that, um, but giving people tasks, I think that, like, you know, giving them something to do in action actually produces, like, a really beautiful canton, and all you have to do is, like I said, you just have to ask them to look at the camera, and then it becomes a portrait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there was a secondary image that you made that we didn't use for the project, but I just remember how beautiful it was, and it was with uh, Kara putting the bridle on the horse, and it's just, you could get that, that they work with this animal, and they love it, and that their livelihood is very much tied to it, you know, and you got that intimacy, um, and it, it is very nice to see these young people that are committed to the land and to growing something in this community. Another transplant to the high country that has really put down roots and um, made themselves part of the landscape is Kelly McCoy, the river girl. So she owns and operates River Girl Fishing Company out in Todd, North Carolina, and they do fly fishing guided tours and kayak rentals and tube rentals and bike rentals and canoes and all types of stuff. That was just a, a really cool experience of someone who's of someone who is a transplant to the community, but you know, on the one of the oldest rivers in the world, right? And uh, also just engaging in this timeless act of, you know, water recreation. People just have an attachment to water and a connection to that. And I just think she has one of the most really charismatic photos. And um, so could you talk about what it was like uh, meeting Kelly and had you interacted with her before uh, the photo? So I have not interacted with her before the photo, but um, I feel like Kelly, she reminds me of someone who's like what, what you would call my people. You know, it, and, I, and I say that in like, she's from the deep south, like she's from Mississippi and I'm from Louisiana and I understand, I feel like, A, what it's like to be from the deep south and then what it's like to be a transplant and then also what it's like to just kind of like be, be like kind of like a different, like a unique personality, you know, and so I really loved that and I felt like, like she's somebody that I want to hang out with, you know. Um, going to her spot, I mean, it was like, it was the dead of winter, the, the river, it had been, I think that we had, this was like 2018, right? So we had like three weeks when we stayed below freezing that, that January and the river was frozen. And so that was like, I remember just driving out there and like looking at this frozen river, like on the way to her spot. And it's like, it's just such, it's so full of personality and, like, even though you're there in the dead of winter, it was, like, it made me, it reminded me of summer. It, like, warmed my heart. So, like, I, you know, at the time, I was living maybe only 10 or 15 minutes from there in Ash County. And, you know, over the last couple of years, we've developed a, a significant attachment to the river and to that part of the river even. To You know, when we have become water people. Like, we used to hike all the time, and now we're water people. And so I definitely, I loved her attachment to the water. And I also loved her her desire and her passion for protecting and conserving the river, you know, like I, I just think that that's, it's so important and it's so powerful because it is a delicate ecosystem and like we're lucky to be able to live in a place that's so beautiful and so lush, but also so precious, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's delicate, but it is also, um, just offer so much joy. So anyway, I just, I thought that she was just such a, like the coolest personality. She was somebody who insisted on having, like she had, like I wanted to, like the one we used was her outside, 
with like her just wild array of things at her, her spot. Like I just, I love it so much. But she really wanted a photo of her son who she's so proud of, um, you know, and the fish that he caught. So she wanted this, like this photo of her holding a photo of him. Um, she just, yeah, she was just such like a beaming, kind, down-to-earth personality, you know, and, and she's a part of the LGBT community here in the high country, which I feel like I have so much respect because we're in a traditionally conservative, socially conservative area when you get outside of Boone, and it's like she's just living passionately and openly and with so much love, and I think that she's just a, an important um, an important staple of the 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 culture, but also just like of the environmental community mm -hmm. in, in the high country. Yeah, what River Girl does just for their eco tours, and then they also have incentives for people to clean up the river uh, with kayak rentals and things like that. And yeah, just someone that's really made themselves part of the landscape because River Girl is one of best known and um, has the best reputation of some of the outdoor companies around here. So everybody goes to River Girl and rents tubes or bikes from her, you know, regardless of where they're coming from. And it's really great just seeing uh, Kelly doing something in a, you know, traditionally male-dominated form. When you think about fishing guides, it's definitely kind of more associated with a, a male culture. Uh, and Kelly's just a really great uh, part of the community and landscape. And since the project, she's one of the people I've interacted with a lot more because now I go and get rentals from her all the time and go rent a kayak. And, um, and it's really great just to, to see that and find ways to support some of these people uh, continue. Like Jacob and Kara, I regularly buy produce from them. And so that's just nice um, to be able to have these people that are part of what makes living in the high country great. Um, <clears throat> Now, I thought it was interesting, too, that some of these people that we, um, they might have desk jobs or they might be a little more fluid with where the workplace is. And those images seem to be captured with them in the landscape, um, in the exhibit, you know, with in the trees or in the woods behind them. You know, and I thought that was a pretty cool way of showing how some of these people exist almost out of space, but in, in the community fabric and in the memory. And... One person that comes to mind um, and one occupation that comes to mind is one that's necessary and part of the fabric but often goes unrecognized are nurses. And so that brings me to Gene Ray and his interview. And um, Gene's a black man. He's a native of Boone, part of the Junalesco community, a historic African-American community in Boone. And his family's been here for a long time. Um, and so it's like that kind of double layer of being, you know, a black person in the high country um, and then being a nurse. And you actually did this interview for me. This was one of those ones where um, instead of me conducting the interview and giving you a quick rundown of who the person was before I sent you to photograph them, um, this was you went and interviewed the person and then made the photograph with them after the interview. Um, so tell me about what that was like, because I think Gene has the most powerful interview in the, the series. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've never done an interview like this 
or I had not ever really done an interview like this interview that we did with Gene before. I mean, I've you know interviewed people for work, you know, and things like that, like as like a hiring manager. So it was definitely a different space. But the thing that really kind of comes to mind for both the interview and for just for making photographs is it's all about holding space. You know, it's like when you interview someone, you have to remember that like you're not the one on display. They are. And so it's really just about really like about becoming a, like a true listener and holding space for someone to tell their story. And I think that, um, I mean, his interview, I brought, I think I had your intern with me and it took place at like, I don't know if it was his cousin or it was a relative's house and like just in their kitchen. It was just so just, you know, humble and he's so humble and his story was really powerful. I mean, we all cried, you know, just like hearing his experiences as a nurse, you know, and I think that it's also doubly powerful because as a nurse, it's like, that's your job just to hold space for other people. And so to really have the ability to tell your story, um, is, I mean, it's really, it's powerful. And I feel like that really comes through with the interview and then also the image. And so I feel like, you know, with the image, sometimes you do just kind of have to let the, like the per, it's like about the person. It's not necessarily about the background, you know, it's not necessarily about the space. Sometimes it really, it just, it just is about the person, you know, and, and that's, I feel like what comes through with Jean's photograph, you know, it's just, um, letting someone, and as a photographer, it's like, you just have to let people just kind of like unfold and bloom and like show themselves in however way it is that they're going to, you know, and it doesn't necessarily need to be staged. They don't need direction. You just kind of let them, like you just give them very minimal direction and then let them express themselves in front of the camera. And I feel like that was kind of the, I feel like the overall feel with Gene's photograph. And just, I feel like his, his humility, you know, it's like we're just in a, like a normal kitchen space, you know, and I feel like the, the humble surroundings of the photo do play into it, even though the highlight is really the, the subject is really Gene. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was a really cool experience. Okay, well, we're, it was bright, it was midday. And there was no shade outside the house, really. And then it was like, well, where are we going to photograph this? And it's like, well, it doesn't need to be about, you know, like you don't need to be, like, in your natural habitat of what you'd be doing if you were working. But this is about your story. I think that he might even be retired. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it wasn't like we were going to, like, go to the hospital and photograph him there. You know, but it was just about him and his story. So, yeah, it was definitely one of those, like, very in-the-moment images. And just honest. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah, and that, and I wanted to get that mix too of people that were both currently working and had retired as well, just to get some of that change over time, and just the different perspectives of folks. Um, and you know, there were constraints with the people that we interviewed, just based on the timeline we had for the exhibit and um, who responded, and uh, you know, all that stuff. So it, I, I think we got a good snapshot of the community and of um, people from across different backgrounds and locals and people that have transplanted and business owners and um, so just kind of the folks who make Watauga work you know for a, a good a good part and um, so then I'm just wondering have you uh, like you know have you worked with any of these people since then or you know do you interact with any of them any um you know since the project 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, some of these folks, like I said, have become, you know, more like friends, um, you know, in the time since I've met them. And I've actually photographed several of them twice, you know, several, several of them in other capacities. So, um, and I feel like that keeps happening to me, you know, like just within the community, like I said, I do branding work and portraits and weddings and, you know, just all kinds of things. And so it's like, you know, I, I feel like I frequently do see my images used, you know, like, oh, I took that photo of them, you know? And so, um, I mean, Jessica Maceda is one of my best friends and, you know, that, so I feel like she and I definitely like work together, even though I haven't necessarily photographed her (laughs) since then. But like, you know, that's, I feel like that was definitely like a part of the community experience that like, like she's actually helped me become more a part of the community. You know, just based on like her connections and her relationships in the community. Um, Chris Capazzoli, I did photograph uh, after, you know, in other capacities, and um, he had his own exhibit here at Brom, and I did the images for him for that, which was really really cool. And those are some of my favorite branding images I've taken to date. You know, just and that was very, it's like I said, it's very much just like I showed up on a Sunday and he was doing his thing, and you know, it's like. We just we just kind of had fun, you know, and took some images. So that's another person that I definitely you know photographed again. Um, Kenny Bowman, I photographed you know just like at the beer fest and like had kind of you know seen him around. Um, I'm trying to think who else I have you know run into in other capacities. Um, Noel, I definitely you know kind of formed a an online relationship with her like just through Instagram and um, you know I just I feel like you just you kind of get to know people um, over time Valerie and Victoria I've both interacted with in other ways Sam um, from the High Country Doulas like she's in the same sort of friend circle I mean it's a small place you know Kara and Jacob like I said I've, I've definitely worked with them yeah I mean it's it's been really cool. I feel like it helped me get to know the community just as much as it helped everyone. It helped showcase the community, you know? Um, and I'm really grateful for the experience, you know, grateful to kind of get to know Wataga in that way, especially like having only been here for maybe like three years, two, three years at that point. And I feel like it, it did kind of open some doors, you know, like with Kara and Jacob, it's like, you know, like I'm working with them, but I feel like I've also met people through them that now I'm working with in other ways. And so it's just, um, I feel like, you know, I'm not on display as a person necessarily in the exhibit, but like what I do also contributes to the community. And so I feel like this is how I work. This is how I am part of this community and what I offer. And, and I'm honored to like have been able to showcase that, you know, um, and, and, sh- and tell stories and tell everyone else's stories and especially like through film, you know, I mean, obviously like I, you know, I, I'm a hybrid photographer. I do shoot film still and digital. And like, it was really cool to like allow that to come through in the show as well, you know? So it's, yeah, it was really, it was a really cool project and, um, it's fun to kind of reminisce about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fun to just see that, um, that it's a way that you got to know the community and got to be plugged in more. And, um, yeah, like, the, I know a lot of people, and I knew probably a third of the people well before, but you don't 
talk to people about the things that we talk about in these interviews normally in conversation, right? Like, what do you do? Why do you do it? What's really hard about it? What, like, do you, why do you really care about what you do? Um, most folks don't have conversations like that. So it's a nice opportunity to really like connect with someone deeply to hold that space with them and find out what makes them tick. And, you know, it's a way, a different way of uh, interacting with the landscape and appreciating it. Um, for me, what was really powerful about it was seeing the people interact with the space and take their pictures with their picture or people come through and see their neighbor or see their nurse or you know, their old teacher or something like that. Um, the Stories Yes exhibit, part of the exhibit was really great because these kids were coming from Bethel. Most of them, the only time they'd been in the museum prior to that was when we took them on a field trip here leading up to the premiere of their documentaries. But for them to show their parents their documentary in our theater at the museum and to have these people who very humble people, right, to see themselves in a museum. And most of these folks would never see themselves in a museum. And when I started, there was this question that I had posed to me, right? It's like, well, how are you going to get the community in the museum, right? How do, how do we get the community to see themselves in the museum and the museum is part of the community? Well, we show the community in the museum. We like put it actually in there. And then it's tied in, right? So to see these people that now they have a sense of ownership, they might have become members or they come back, they've worked here since then, they volunteered here, right? They've sent friends here or something like that. Um, and just a chance to see, it makes me feel good to see other people happy, right? And to create an opportunity that you can see someone smile and to see people like feel a sense of pride in themselves that they might not have had before just for what they do and how they, you know, the, the mundane thing, what they do nine to five or how they pay their bills, right. To show that that is important, um, has some value. And I think it's just a really cool thing about this project and hopefully something that people will get from listening to these stories and looking at the images, right. Is get a sense of who this community is and like what the people are like here and why people choose to live here, right? It's not just the beautiful natural environment, right? It's also the people and those relationships that you form along the way and um, just extra fun connections. I mean, you said like Chris Capizzoli had, we had an exhibit of his guitars, not, um, you know, two years after the way Wataga works. Um, than other people, the High Country Duelists helped deliver our, our former curator, Diana Cameron's baby Rowan, you know? So like those connections that we form and how, you know, by having Watauga Works at Brom, not only did the museum become more connected with the community and the community become more connected with the museum, but also the museum staff became more connected with the community as well. And um, I thought that was, a really cool side effect that's happened and um, then it's just it's kind of spurred this vision for the museum to be able to house community stories and to continue to do this and to where we've had other exhibits in a similar vein that we collaborated on like uh, Farm Forge Feast right and telling the stories of the community of foodways through a documentarian lens right and be able to blend that 
um, blur the lines between art and history, right? Between documentary and art. And as Braun being the only art and history and like cultural institution in the high country, like it's our responsibility to share these stories, to not only bring stories from outside the community into the community, but to also bring the stories of the community and use our platform to lift them up. Because we have so many people that come through this space that want to learn what Appalachia is, that want to learn what Blowing Rock and Watauga County and the high country are all about. But if they're coming up Highway 321 from Lenore, their first impression of what the mountain culture might be like is like the hillbilly outpost that's over there, right? Um, and we want to know there's more than that here and that uh, the people here are more than that. So I appreciate your taking time out today, Ashley, to reminisce and talk about this project. Yeah, thank you for having me. And yeah, I definitely, um, I, you know, I think that just showing that the mundane can be beautiful is definitely like one of the aspects of, of art and being an artist, you know, it's like showcasing that um, like if you take a second look at something that it can kind of transform in your mind and you start to see new things about it, you know, that, that definitely I think is, is something that photography does, you know, and then like, especially like fine art photography where you're kind of taking a second look at seemingly mundane things and seeing, seeing how they're beautiful. Um, and then I really do think that this project is perfect for a museum that is both art and history. You know, it's like we're not just a community center and we're not just a fine art museum. It's There's a little bit of blending there. And I think that some folks, when they hear museum, they hear art, it seems elite. It seems unattainable in some way or, you know, outside other than them. And so I do feel like, you know, bringing that in, you know, to where it's not, we're not just showcasing paintings or very famous or very expensive works of art. It's like we're really showcasing the community. And I think that that's it. like, you know, this project, Wave Tiger Works is a great example. I think that Farm Forge Feast was an awesome kind of spin-off of that where we're just kind of really focusing in on one niche within the Appalachian community. And then Chris's show was a great example as well. But I think that Brum does that, you know, through all of the different exhibits that um, we, we work to kind of maintain our roots within the community. So I definitely, um, yeah, I'm definitely honored to to have been a part of the exhibit and to have my photographs showcased and be able to showcase everyone else's, you know, stories and history and life and hold space. I feel like, like you said, being a photographer is so much about holding space as, as is interviewing. So, um, yeah, grateful for it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty cool, too, uh, that the Smithsonian and Museum on Main Street was so impressed with the way Watauga works as well that they've actually used it as a model for what a way that communities can expand upon the traveling exhibit that they offer. And that in their 25th anniversary of Museum on Main Street book that they released a couple years ago, the way Watauga works and one of your photographs is in the book as, as something in a quote from, from me about the... Um, the role of this project and like what it gave us an opportunity to do right but just that you know what this small museum did in this small community right can be something that a model for what other communities around the country can do small and large right just goes to show that like big stories happen everywhere yeah i mean i feel like you know as a transplant here 
And also, like, I mean, I, and from a, I come from a place with a very rich history. It's like I have an appreciation, and I feel like everybody should kind of recognize that there is something rich about every place that, like you said, that everywhere you go, there's a history there to be captured and to be seen and to be remembered. And, um, yeah, I, mean, I think that's really cool that they they saw our project and was like, this is a great example, like a great model for how this project can really sing and to be in soar. And I think it's all about, like, being curious and holding space. And, you know, it's like an, an honoring and... Um, recognizing the importance of the stories of the place that you land on, even if you're not from there, you know? And, um, I mean, I, I definitely, I just bought a house in Watauga County last year and I definitely think about that. Like, well, who's, who lived here before, you know? And this is totally tangential, but like, as we like do our landscape, our yard and dig through our yard, I'm like finding, it's like an archeological dig, you know? And it's like, so there definitely, there's generations of people that have been here that have stories and, um, I think that preserving those stories is, is hugely important. And so this project's a really cool snippet, like a little like snapshot of, of Otago County in 2018 and where everybody, it, what was happening in their lives at that time, you know, and, and a nice like swath of the community where you hit, like you said, older folks, younger folks, retired folks, um, part people who are part of the LGBT community, people who are part of Jim Lusco, the African-American community, you know, it's like, I feel like we, you really did a great job of curating, um, diversity, you know, well, that's PC. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just showing what we have here. Right. And, um, like you said, to show it warts and all and have that where it's like, there's beauty in the mundane and just documenting and representing what is there. Um, so yeah, hope folks, get that through this project and um, as we move on and continue to do other exhibits and projects like this you know get more of these stories right and then maybe share these stories in their own communities or like find a way to tell the stories of their community again you know well thank you Ashley for taking time out of your morning to talk with us thank you for having me Prompt Go is produced by Willard Blossom with support from Maeko Shiratori. Music by Melissa Ed. The Way Watauga Works exhibition was made possible with support by the Smithsonian Institute's Traveling Exhibition Service Museum on Main Street and North Carolina Humanities. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.